The following is a production of DallasCowboys.com and the Dallas Cowboys Football Club. How about this, Cowboys? Yeah! Are you ready for a break? Uh, Yes. Are you ready for a break? Absolutely. Ready for a break? Yeah, and um, so much for that. It's time for The Break on DallasCowboys.com. We were on the break! With Ambar Garcia, Brian Broaddus, Patrick Walker, and Derek Eagleton. It is Monday, October 2nd, 2023, season 19, episode number 43. Welcome to the latest edition of The Break. We are live from the SWBC Borgia Studios at the Star, and today we're talking about the Cowboys' win. They get back on the win- to their winning ways. Uh, they beat New England 38-3 at home, and now it all sets up for the game we've been waiting for, Cowboys versus 49ers. But before we get to that, today we will recap the game tell you what went right and wrong for the Cowboys we'll talk about this defense uh, that did a little more of what it's been doing in the first two weeks of the season uh, and also talk a bit about the offense and what Dak Prescott was able to do yesterday Uh, let's get it going let's start first on the defensive side of the ball yesterday they allowed 253 yards um, as 200 passing 53 rushing and actually before I get to that real quick let's go around and see what everybody's storyline of the game was uh, coming out of that game, what do you think is the big picture storyline you will remember from Week Four of the 2023 NFL season? You we'll mean with you, Patrick? Other than the Cowboys handing Bill Belichick his worst loss as that a like head a coach, line that's yeah, massive storyline. I mean, obviously, when you're going against someone as cerebral as Bill Belichick, you, you always have concerns. Um, and then you know you had the the subplots <laughs> of Ezekiel Elliott and Will Greer being quote unquote interrogated and hand signals and all of that. Um, but the Cowboys again show resiliency. I mean, they hadn't lost. Uh, two consecutive games since November of 2021. Um, question was, could they protect home field? And they not only go in and do that yesterday, but the fashion in which they did it was just flat out impressive. They they executed, uh, and, I, and I've said it, and I'm going to continue to say it, this Cowboys team is going to go as their run defense goes. Um, one week after letting, you know, allow 222 yards on the ground in Arizona, you hold Ramondre Stevenson to 30 yards and Ezekiel Elliott, and emotionally charged Ezekiel Elliott to only 16 yards on the ground. That allowed the Cowboys to earn their pass rush. And from there, they teed off. Um, And you got to love it. So the the win is huge. The fashion in which they did it makes it that much more meaningful and puts them back on solid ground for what we know is an all-important game in Santa Clara coming up. Uh, A lot of good things to talk about on defense, special teams, uh, but also offense. Everything we saw from them, I know there's still work to be done around the red zone but you saw improvement <laughs> was it chuckle. red zone was it 20 yard line that was confusing uh, yeah but i heard brian on his post game he did the same thing i did you were like yeah that was, i learned something new today on yeah zone, so. yeah i asked pr i'm like so wouldn't like if you're on the freaking 20 nope. yard line doesn't that count as <laughs> red zone no it does not your toe needs to be passing yeah, the line you need inch. to be inside <laughs> anyways w- just it is promising, and, and it, it gives you something that, okay, now we got something. You feel like they're working with something. You see, and you weren't expecting, or at least I wasn't, expecting a night and day difference uh, as far as improvement in just one week. But they were able to show different things uh, offensively where it gives you promise to, like, okay, 
they're trending upwards now. They're changing some things around, and it shows to be working. Yeah, I was surprised how easily they were blocking the Patriots' front, especially when it came to throwing the football. I felt like that maybe the Patriots were going to try some things. I was worried a little bit about Patriots' coverage. I think when Gonzalez got hurt, that kind of took them out of some things they might wanted to do coverage-wise, traveling-wise. Initially in the game, they didn't start off traveling uh, Gonzalez with, uh, say, Lamb. I thought that maybe that was something that uh, they would try initially. They didn't never got to that because Gonzalez got hurt. But it was uh, it was really a nice effort up front uh, for the Cowboys. The one sack that they had was a little disturbing was the one that, that Dietrich Wise had where – really four guys missed on the play you know it's like they run a two-man game and then all of a sudden it's like three guys are kind of looking and another one's trying to look and so you have two guys reacting one guy not reacting it it was a little bit of a mess that way but overall the way that they were able to have time throwing the football and even when there was a little bit of pressure receivers did a great job of driving routes coming back to the ball Dak put it where he needed to be so a lot of positive on that side of it. Let's talk about the defense specifically. As I mentioned a little earlier, they allowed 253 yards, 200 passing, 53 on the ground. Going to Patrick's first point about the fact that they stopped the run this week uh, and how how effective they are when they can do that. The other thing to note there was they had seven quarterback uh, hits um, and uh, and two sacks, uh, 18 quarterback pressures. They didn't get the number of sacks that they've been getting when they've been successful, but the pressures were definitely mm-hmm. there, and and you could certainly feel that in the 18 uh, times that they pressured uh, Mac Jones. How did, would you guys assess that defense overall yesterday? I thought it looked fantastic, uh, and it's a perfect example of why, although sacks matter, why it's it's mind-boggling that people kind of disregard disruptions and and you know QB pressures and QB hits because all of those things go to the overall category of disruptions and the Cowboys were insanely disruptive on yesterday. No, they didn't walk away with five, six, or seven sacks, but they did force Mac Jones into a passer rating of thirty-nine point nine. Ultimately, got him pulled from the game for Bailey Zappi. Uh, they forced him into two interceptions, which also goes to uh, Deron Bland quickly coming into his own as a boundary corner, uh, and now I. I think that's also helping the Cowboys as a defensive unit try to find their identity in the post-Diggs era for this season until Diggs come back in 24. So when you, like we talked about, when you earn that pass rush by stopping the run, uh, and that the, stopping the run was made effective because the, the, front, the front four was winning their, their matchups, and that allowed guys like Leighton Van Der Esch, who was reading, reacting, and executing, filling gaps. He was magnificent. Damone Clark helped in that capacity as well. Now you're forcing the guy to throw. And when you force the guy to throw against a Cowboys defense that loves to take the ball away in the air as much as they love to take it away on the ground, it's a recipe for disaster for you. And that's what happened with the Patriots yesterday. So I think it was master class by the Cowboys. Dan Quinn had those boys ready to play some football. Yeah, I can care less about sacks and, and stats and any of that whatsoever when your defense is playing the way that they, di- they did. When you got guys, Deron Bland, Leighton Vander Esch, getting in the end zone and scoring points for you. And going back to stopping the run we that's has been the main problem for the defense we saw it last weekend and then just seeing them adapt adjust and make those changes and improve in an area that has been their weakest point uh i'm just i was super excited by everything we saw i'm sure micah left that game a little bit upset (laughs) 
about himself, you know, not being able to. But he shouldn't. I, I'll talk about and, that a little bit. No, later. and, he, and yeah. he should not yeah. because yeah. what he's doing, his presence and everything that he's doing is creating opportunities for everybody else yep. to play the way that they did. So um, even guys like Galston, when he's doing those plays, I mean, you got to credit Micah along with that. But I'm, I'm going back to him as a player. We know Micah and how uh, competitive he is. Mm-hmm. But either way, Mania. credit to everyone on defense and, and the great job that they were able to yeah, do. Yeah, his pressure, I, I don't know why the on that first drive the Patriots threw the football on third and one down there on the goal line. I, I, you know, I felt like they were going to try and run it down there and and see if they could make some hay out of that. It might have been a, you know, it might have been a, something they thought about, but they didn't. They tried to throw the ball to the back of the end zone to Mike Kosicki, and Parsons' pressure forced Mac Jones to throw the ball too far. You know, it, they, you know, it's a decent play call, but that pressure from Parsons, you know, it really forced Mac Jones to have to make a quick decision, and you know, Kosicki was a clear of, of Hooker in the mm-hmm. end zone. And so, you know, if he has time to throw that ball, then maybe it's a, a touchdown there. But, uh, you know, that pressure is what adds up there. The scoop and score was a really a great backside pressure as well when, the, you know, when Fowler beats his guy and the way he was able to track Mac Jones. Mac never felt him there. And so to hammer the ball. The thing that concerned me about the defense was the 42-yard pass play that they gave up in this game. And it's, we've seen this a couple of times when Dallas is bad on defense. They lose coverage. They lose, and I was trying to figure out by watching the tape, they're playing man on the outside, they're playing zone on the inside, and you get a route that comes across, and you don't know if they're supposed to pass it. And again, this is Curse and Hooker playing inside. Everybody else has got man. They've got everybody locked up, but then the route materializes where it turns across, and now it goes into uh, into uh, Curse's zone, and they just lose. And then Curse gets kind of caught in no man's land. Here's the quarterback moving and just throws the ball over the top, and then you know they give up a big play. But you know you got to wonder about that. Sometimes when they give up these chunk plays, we saw it happen in the Arizona game. They lose track of a guy in route, uh, big play, 69 yards. Again this week, lose track of a guy inside running the route, big play. You know, you can't have that happen in the game. It didn't kill him in this situation, mm-hmm. but we've seen it two weeks in a row now. Good defense for the majority of the game, and then all of a sudden you give up two big chunk plays like that back-to-back. You know what I, I definitely did love about the defensive line is that you had you have guys that are getting their legs back, like Donovan Wilson. He had a much better day than he had in Arizona, which was his first game back. But when you see the, the interior of the Cowboys' defensive line and names like Neville Gallimore start yeah. to flash, uh, and then you see Mozzie Smith, although you won't see him on the stat line, but he was able to push the pocket a few times, and arguably he had the best showing so far in his young career. When those guys start to step up, in addition to some of the bigger name guys that you expect to step up, Jonathan Hankins and Chauncey Ghost, and then of course also Diggy Zua on that interior, and then you have Micah Parsons and his presence and, and you know disruptions and being able to take away the you know the ability for other teams to try to shade one way or the other. I mean, th- this Cowboys defense, as long as they continue to execute, and I keep harping on that word execution, execution, execution. If they continue to execute, the only team that can beat them is themselves. When you talk about the run defense, was there something that you guys saw 
that was different in what they did this week versus Arizona? Or do you think it was just better execution of what their roles were? I don't know why more teams don't try and do what Arizona did when it comes to running the football with not. I, I think that with New England, and, and give Dallas credit for this, they, they did a nice job along the defensive line. When you start to talk about the physicality which they played with, the ability to stay square, not get hooked, uh, you know the linebackers were much better shape. When this team's had trouble, I think now, and this is something that maybe somebody will take advantage of. We'll see. But when they play their dime package, they're running the ball at these linebackers that are defensive backs. They're kind of figuring out, okay, is Curse going to be able to hang in there? Is Bell going to be able to hang in there? Is Wilson going to be able to hang in there when they're having to deal with blockers that get up on them? You know, that's going to be the key going for the Cowboys. You know, how you play your run defense against or how the how how the offenses attack this Dallas defense will be now can these linebackers or these safeties who are playing down in the box, if if linemen are getting free runs at them, that's a problem for the Cowboys. It, it didn't it showed up a couple of times yesterday in a couple of the runs they had, but I, I would worry about a team that really, really runs the ball well. And then all of a sudden they're like, okay, we're going to make you with that bubble, that linebacker who is a safety, who's not a a big guy. We're going to make you defend the run with him. And I think that's what Arizona did. The pin and pull stuff was really effective. Didn't see any of that really from from New England. Just a couple of times they ran guys that pulled. But the Cowboys did a great job of hanging in there when they had to. Uh, you know, dealing with the run, staying square, playing downhill, and then finishing the play. Damone Clark played the best game he's played in, in four for the Cowboys this year. His shades are back. Yes, I are. like it. Big win. Shades come back. Yes, that's how we roll around. Ooh. <laughs> you know, it was interesting to me, Brian, on that point, though. Um, I actually saw that, that Damone Clark actually played only 45% of the snaps. Yeah. And Bell actually played 40% of the snaps, yeah. which made me think the Cowboys maybe were doing a little bit more of having those safeties in there yeah. at that linebacker they, spot. Well, it turned into a game where they knew New England was going to have to throw the yeah. football. So the run game was just completely out the window. I think that Damone Clark, I wanted to believe that Damone Clark was a guy that could play all downs and never come off the field. Yeah. I don't know if they completely trust him. Again, that's just a thought by me, not anything that anybody said to me or anything like that. But I just wonder, when it turns into a passing game, having having Bell on the field, is that a little bit of a difference uh, with the way they play their coverage? Yep. All right, we're going to take our first break. When we come back, we're going to jump into the offense, talk a little bit about Dak and his day uh, and some of the, uh, the the skill players and how they play. We'll talk about that when we come back. DallasCowboys.com radio. Todd thought it would be secure to jog in the cheetah savannah. Todd believed the big cat repellent he bought online was reliable. And now Todd is trying to be faster than this cheetah that can run 80 miles per hour. But the good news is Todd has AT&T 5G that is fast, reliable, and secure. And he learned the best thing to do is stop running and toss her the backpack with the beef stew. AT&T 5G. Fast, reliable, secure. It's not complicated. 5G requires compatible plan and device. 5G may not be available in your area. See att.com slash 5G for you for details. Cowboys fans, after that move, we've just coined the term Rowdy Replay. Let's roll back the tape. Okay, there's our mascot Rowdy cheering on the boys. And now he's on his phone, on his Bank of America mobile banking app? Staying on top of his finances with his virtual financial assistant, Erica. Bank of America's digital tools are so impressive. Cowboys fans just can't stop banking. Learn more at bankofamerica.com slash can't stop banking. Erica is only available in 
in the English language. You must download the latest version of the mobile banking app, only available on select mobile devices. Message and data rates may apply. Member FDIC. Welcome back into Dear Doctor, the show where I answer life's questions with an ice-cold can of Dr. Pepper. Sheila, let's hear from our next caller, would you? Dear Doctor, my friend supported me during a tough time, but what's the right gift that says, thanks for being a shoulder to cry on? Okay, this one's easy. I say give her a delicious Dr. Pepper. Nothing says, thanks, girl. Better than a one-of-a-kind soda. Yes, any Dr. Pepper flavor will do. Now, just a reminder that I don't need to be a real doctor to know that Dr. Pepper is the one you deserve. They say champions are remembered, but legends are never forgotten. United Ag and Turf offers a winning lineup of John Deere equipment built to tackle any challenge on and off the field. Legendary John Deere tractors, combines, residential mowers, commercial mowers, compact construction equipment, gator utility vehicles, and a full line of golf and sports turf equipment. United Ag and Turf, the official Ag and Turf equipment supplier of the Dallas Cowboys. Visit unitedagandturf.com to find a location near you. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Got your happy price, price line. Back to the break. Your Dallas Cowboys head to Santa Clara to take on the 49ers in week five of the 2023 season. Come out to Miller Light. Uh, Miller Lighthouse at AT&T Stadium on October 8th for a free watch party presented by 7-Eleven. Cheer on the boys alongside Dallas Cowboys cheerleaders and Rowdy while enjoying $5 Miller Lights, barbecue, game day fair, and more. Gates open at 6 p.m. Kickoffs at 7.20. For more information and to claim your free ticket, visit DallasCowboys.com slash watch party. Go Cowboys. Welcome back. It is the second segment of the break. We're live from SWBC Mortgage Studios at the Star. This segment is brought to you by Blockchain.com. We'll also take questions if you guys have any throughout the show. You can hit us on our text line, 817-290-3298. Again, 817-290-3298. Let's talk about Dak Prescott. Yesterday, he's 28 of 34, 82% completion rate, 261 yards through the air, one touchdown, no interceptions, a 108.5 quarterback rating. He also threw uh, to – he completed passes to nine different receivers – uh, did have Schoonmaker, who he targeted three times, who didn't get a catch. That would have been 10. But all in all, good day for Dak Prescott. How did you guys assess his play? I think he was surgical again. Um, and like you mentioned, with no interceptions, it's his third out of four, three out of four games. He's not turned the ball over. Um, so he's playing, you know, clean football and not putting his defense in bad positions where they have to come back out and, and fight against the time of possession battle. And, and in that you're fighting against your own fatigue and then sloppiness and lack of execution comes from that. But I mean, Dak Prescott, you look at the first offensive drive and there's a reason the Cowboys lead the league and, you know, offensive drives that have 10 plus uh, plays or more. And that's because of Dak Prescott in large part. And uh, the red zone issues come from, again, and you're going to get tired of me saying it. I'm tired of hearing me say it. It's execution. The the drop by Schoonmaker, that should have been Dak Prescott's first touchdown. Um, The handoff to Tony Pollard on third and one where they collided. 
execution, right? Little things that can be cleaned up but need to be cleaned up. But from a from an aspect of what Dak Prescott, Dak Prescott did in the air, I mean, he was in complete command for the most part. He spread the ball around very well, and uh, he's really finding that security blanket in Jake Ferguson that he once had with Dalton Schultz. Ferguson, seven targets, seven catches, 77 yards, magic number seven. Um, <laughs> what is that, 12 catches, 125 yards over the last two games from Dak to, to Jake. So that connection, I think, has become kind of the stabilizing force while the Texas Coast offense tries to figure out things outside of that. So that'll be promising going forward. Yeah, uh, I feel like Dak has become more mature this year. Like, there's something about his game. It's the pissed offness. That if, probably <laughs> that he's just freaking tired of hearing. It's the piss off. I'm telling yeah, you. we got a little bit of that yesterday mm-hmm. at the press conference. Um, good stuff. Oh, but it's wonderful. But I just think he's still lacking that. Like, and I really thought, and that's why I chose Dak to get the first rushing. Touchdown. I really thought that part of the red zone work that they were doing this week was going to involve a Dak Prescott that gets out of the pocket and runs and gets in the end zone. And we didn't really get to see that. Um, and I was disappointed about that. But I think that's part of the game that's kind of missing um, from him right now. It's just kind of letting it lose a little bit. At the same time, I don't think they're playing super, super conservative. I think that he some of those throws that he's mm-hmm. thrown down down the field has been really really good but that's the missing part that I think for me is where he where the game is lacking it's just letting him be free a little bit use his legs use his body um but all, all in all, I think he's he's done a great job I think the fact that you saw him connect with so many different receivers, that's exciting because now you see McCarthy allowing all the different weapons to be utilized. And Patrick just mentioned those little errors that did occur. Uh, but all in all, I think he did a really good job. Yeah, I, I think that to me, the, the routes were deeper. The opportunities were deeper. Uh, receivers did a better job of getting open for him. Uh, they did a better job of finishing for him when he put the ball on target. Uh, the decision making I thought was uh, was good uh, to a point. Uh, the pass that he threw to Gallup in the early on the first drive was a really nice read by him. A corner falling off, and then you know Gallup still maintaining leverage going up the field. Dak saw that when the when the corner dropped, he knew okay that's where I'm going to go with the ball. They were trying to kind of maybe think about the ball was going to go to Lamb, but that wasn't the case. Dak did a good job of getting the ball to the outside. He's going to look at the tape today, and he's going to see that he should have pulled the ball twice on a read option. He's going to see he had a walk-in touchdown uh, with Ferguson. It's a play we've seen with the Kellen Moore regime before where they bring the tight end across, and he's going to lead Dak. He hands the ball inside to Pollard. It's a three-yard gain. But we've seen it before where he's where the tight end has led him in. We've seen Schultz lead him in before. There was two times where I felt like that he could have walked this thing in if he wanted to. But he chose to give the ball inside. That's the read that he made. And I think when he watches the tape, he's going to say, next time I'm going to pull that. Because after the play, you, you see, you see uh, uh, Ferguson like turn around to him and like slap him on the chest like, what are you doing? Kind of a thing, and you see Dak kind of like I, I know, I get it, you know that kind of thing. So, but overall, the way he threw the football was well. He move around in the pocket, the way he delivered the ball, 
decision-making, finding the open guys on the routes. But like I said, I think he's going to look at the the, the run option stuff and, and, and say, man, i got to pull that next time. I think I could walk this thing I think in. that's the most frustrating part when watching yesterday's game in the red zone area. You see them uh, playing so well, moving the ball so well prior to getting there. Then they get there, and every play that they make – it's, it's so close. Mm-hmm. Like, they're just right there, Execution. and something happens. It doesn't work out. Him running into Pollard. I mean, get yeah. out of the way. Well, but-, <laughs> but, see, I think that was really on Pollard because mm-hmm. what happens, the hole opens up, and I think Pollard was looking to he where he to. was going to go. Mm-hmm. And what happened, it opened up to the right of where the center was. And so Pollard's probably got his eyes up, and he, his eyes are taking him to that direction. And Prescott's kind of standing there like, Wait a minute, I'm in your path now. So yeah, you're you're right about the way that there's sometimes like there's things that happen that they, they have missed blocks. You know, Steel, I don't think Steele was really as good as he normally is uh, in the red zone with some of the blocks that he had. They had a little bit of some trouble uh, securing some of those down linemen, and you know those are the things that kind of kill you when you run the ball. And you know, I, I think the thing with Hunter Lipke, I mean, that was a well designed. You is. got Ferguson mm-hmm. runs the. Ferguson with a really good uh, seal block. Brandon Cooks, they bring him in motion and set him there, and he gets a block right at the point of attack. So that's how you have to find a way to get these some of these touchdowns in, is if you get these guys, put them in position, and they're able to finish. You know, the interesting thing about it is I actually look at the red zone offense, and I have reason to believe it'll get better over the season because of the, kind, because of the reasons why they're not getting in right now. It would be one thing if it was one or two players that were always making the mistakes, and you were like, Man, we're not getting rid of this guy, but he's a problem in the red zone. He's they don't have a good runner in the red zone, or they they have an offensive lineman who's all who can never secure his block in yeah. the red zone. It's not that. It's almost on every play. It's almost like there's a different thing that's happening, well, and that's just to me something yeah. that as season goes on, more repetitions. The hope is that they will get better and get more consistent. The the thing they have to figure out is how many plays are you going to put in the game plan where you're trying to fool somebody. Because they've had some red zone struggles this year where they've just they've they've they're thinking, okay, this fake or this movement will draw this guy inside. And you and for example, you know, the, the they try they they've got a good idea. They're gonna try and throw the ball to Gallup. It's one of the sacks that Prescott's Prescott gets against Tavai. You know, and they're gonna try and fool him with the run. They're gonna say full flow run to the right, and they're gonna hope that he trails down inside, and then Dak's going to loop, and they're going to throw a little pivot route to the outside, a little little in-and-out route to, to Gallup. Mm-hmm. And it's it's there. But the problem is they don't fool the in-man. He doesn't go down. And they've had it a couple of different times where they've left guys unblocked, and they're saying, okay, this heavy play fake is going to carry guys away. And it just hasn't. They've, they've had two, three plays this season where they've just guys have been left unblocked and they're not mm-hmm. fooled. Is that also because they haven't been as successful running the ball I, down there? Because if you're not being that successful, then nobody's going to like really take that, that you, hard play fake yeah. because they're like, you assume, you're not running well anyway. So. You assume that people are going to be undisciplined down there. Yeah. You really do. You, I mean, to me, that's it happened in Arizona. It happened this past week. You, know, you just assume that, that this guy is going to go flying down inside. And it, you know, to your point, I don't know if it's so much about the running the ball down there is it is it more that you're playing against teams you, you they have to think okay we have have we seen this guy before chase you know to me that's where i would base the game plan if you got somebody that's super aggressive always chasing the ball down inside i could see doing that 
But they've had a couple of different times now where they've tried to do movement on the goal line, and it hasn't affected the guy they're trying to move. That's where I kind of maybe some rethought about what you're doing game plan-wise, scheme-wise. Speaking, speaking of the red zone, one area, we did they did get one positive note coming out of that. They use Hunter Lefke down there. Finally. He gets into the end zone. We talked about it last Finally. week. And uh, does that does that kind of make you think, okay, if, they, if they're getting that, if they're starting to realize he could be that guy in that area, that that could be at least the impetus to get the, the, the red zone offense moving in the right direction. And then from there, you play off of that with other things. But you know you can maybe rely on him a little bit more in those tight situations, just hammering the ball into the end zone. More so handing him the ball than letting him block. He, he, he's not and, – and that's – and he's a young guy. He, he'll learn. But there, his blocking down there is not as good as it needs to be. But you hand him the football, he has a feel for how to get forward. I, I 100%. I believe that kind of to your point, uh, and this is why I wanted Hunter Lipke to be more involved in, in those handoffs because the question last week was, do the Cowboys miss Ezekiel Elliott? And I said only as far as comfort level goes, but physical build and being able to just hammer a ball in on short yardage, I think Hunter Lipke has that ability, and then you see them hand him the ball, and what does he do? He hammers that in. So that gives opposing defenses something that they have to concern themselves with because if Hunter Lipke is on the field and there's only one or two yards to go, then they're probably, the more you hand it off to him, reasonably so, you don't want to you know overload it, but the more you hand it off to him, the more they have to account for him, and by doing so, that puts them at a slight disadvantage if you then want to run the creative play that becomes the pass you play out in the flat or on the you know in the back pylon something like that so one thing has to complement the other and i am a big believer that integrating hunter hunter Lipke more in the short yardage game is going to help free up some of those passing routes but again once it does the execution has to be there i, I believe that nine out of ten times schoolmaker makes that catch in the end zone uh so those types of things have to come into play as well because the play call can be fantastic but what the player does or does not do after that is what really matters well we'll see what happens with Rico Dowell's injury yes. um, he left the game with a hip injury and I believe today they're gonna kind of yeah, do the MRI um, and all yeah, that yeah it was uh, x-rays were negative last night which is positive but the MRI is scheduled for today if it has not already occurred so we should hopefully get an update on him at some so point so depending on what happens with him if he does have to miss some time uh, extended time I think we would be oh I would imagine the Cowboys utilizing Hunter maybe Lickie so a lot but then you, you'd also have to look at Malik Davis, Malik Davis. Yeah, for sure. squad he he likely get um, a lot of that burn as well so being that Malik Davis is the insurance on the practice squad you know that he's going to come up the question still becomes how much of you know those reps or Hunter is Hunter Lippie going to see all right, we're going to take our final break. We'll come back. I want to talk about the uh, passing game, particularly the deep passing game. Brian, you mentioned it yeah. a little bit earlier. We saw some things that were pretty, I don't know, pretty uh, that, that made me think that maybe they can get this going and maybe it can be something that can be a benefit for them, even in this offense. We'll talk about that when we come back. DallasCowboys.com radio. Todd thought it would be secure to jog in the cheetah savannah. Todd believed the big cat repellent he bought online was reliable. And now Todd is trying to be faster than this cheetah that can run 80 miles per hour. But the good news is Todd has AT&T 5G that is fast, reliable, and secure. And he learned the best thing to do is stop running and toss her the backpack with the beef stew. AT&T 5G. Fast, reliable, secure. It's not complicated. 5G requires compatible plan and device. 5G may not be available in your area. See att.com slash 5G for you for details. Don't put off getting your oil change, Dallas. Take 5 Oil Change. A proud partner of the Cowboys is faster than you think. There's no appointment needed and no waiting room. Yep, 
You heard that correctly. Take 5 is so fast, you don't even have to get out of your car. You can take advantage of Take 5's fast, friendly, and simple service at any of their locations across the Dallas area. And remember, at Take 5, you stay in your car because they're faster than you think. Take 5, the official oil change of the Dallas Cowboys. It's the official men's skincare brand of the Dallas Cowboys, Jack Black. And right now, Cowboys fans can get 15% off their $75 order. Plus, because every deal needs a playmaker, your order will include a free five-piece skincare set and free shipping. The Jack Black Playmaker is four of Jack's favorites and a full-sized intense therapy lip balm. Make a play for the Playmaker at getjackblack.com slash cowboys with the code cowboysvip. That's getjackblack.com slash cowboys with the code cowboysvip. They say champions are remembered, but legends are never forgotten. United Ag and Turf offers a winning lineup of John Deere equipment built to tackle any challenge on and off the field. Legendary John Deere tractors, combines, residential mowers, commercial mowers, compact construction equipment, gator utility vehicles, and a full line of golf and sports turf equipment. United Ag and Turf, the official Ag and Turf equipment supplier of the Dallas Cowboys. Visit unitedagandturf.com to find a location near you. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Back to the break. Check out the latest and greatest addition to the tours at AT&T, AT&T Stadium and at the Star in Frisco. Meet Jerry Jones, an interactive experience. Get a peek behind the curtain and into the fascinating life of Jerry Jones with a focus on innovative fan experience and partnership with AT&T. This interactive technology gives tour goers the opportunity to ask Mr. Jones a variety of questions. For more information and to book your tours, visit DallasCowboys.com slash tours. Welcome back. It is the final segment of the break. Life Nest WBC Mortgage Studios at the start. We're talking about the Cowboys win yesterday. They beat the New England Patriots 38-3 to at home and set up the, the meeting that we've all been waiting for, Cowboys versus 49ers. Mm-hmm. Make sure you check us out all this week. We'll be telling you what we think is going to happen. We'll break down that 49ers team. Really interesting and very good team. Uh, we'll break all that down this week and get you ready for that game. Let's talk about the uh, the passing game, in particular the deep passing game. Yesterday, uh, Dak Prescott, about well, first of all, about 30% of the throws they threw yesterday uh, were 10-plus yards yeah. in the air. So getting the ball downfield a little bit more. Now, only one pass was 20 yards or more. It was the one 20-yard touchdown that he threw to mm-hmm. CeeDee Lamb. But they are getting it 10-plus yards down the field. A fairly good amount of time, and he's been pretty good yesterday on that. 78% completions uh, of those passes that were 10 to 19 yards. That was 7 of 9 for 111 yards. That being said, is that enough for you to feel like this team is getting what it needs out of a a deeper passing game, or do you really think they need to see more of those 20-plus yard plays to really, really be able to, to get what you need out of this offense? I think you need more. I think it's positive. It's it's progress. Um, 
and kind of like what I wrote in the science lab last week, I, I think you need more. And then when you look at this this next-gen chart and it breaks down, you still, even in yesterday's game, you didn't see anything past 20 yards in the middle of the field. So that middle of the field is still a, still a glaring opportunity for the Cowboys to try to attack. And I know they it seems like they're gun-shy from it because of the interceptions that happened in that particular area of the field. But I feel like that's leaving some meat on the bone if you want an, an opposing defense and an opposing secondary to cover. You want them to cover the entire field, not just two thirds of the field not just the boundary make them cover that 20 plus yards and down the middle as well so yes there's some progress being made there but I think that while we understand that the west coast at its basis is about getting the ball out quickly in the hands of your playmakers so they can make the plays I do think when you have a guy like CeeDee Lamb and you have a guy like Michael Gallup who's a deep threat on the goal ball and you have Brandon Cooks who you added via trade you have guys that can go deep so you need to try to at least take those shots and stretch that field which will make opposing defenses play with more on their heels and then guess what you get to do then you get to run the ball more effectively one thing comes uh, one hand washes the other in that capacity yeah i i you mentioned the touchdown to with uh where uh lamb was able to score and you know everybody was asking about well did you take advantage of christian gonzalez being out that was mm-hmm. the next play yeah He's on the other side. They went after Miles Bryant in this one. They, mm-hmm. It wasn't the replacement of Gonzalez. It was they went after the starter, is what they did, and it was a a really well designed play. They went thirteen personnel with it, three tight ends, the one back, and I mean Lamb gets separation right off the jump, and I think this is where the Cowboy deep passing game could flourish. If, in fact, you're winning off the jump, if you're winning off the line, if you're able to get separation as you're going up the field. They did a great job of driving, play a lot of zone coverage, the Patriots. They do a great job of driving these defenders back and then coming back to the ball. But if you could win right off the jump, like Lamb was able to win off Miles Bryant, you could throw the ball down the field. That's that's a possibility. The, the, the matter of fact, the schoonmaker pass – Going back and thinking about that one, it you know went to the middle of the field it was a longer play, but man, he could have thrown a touchdown to Brandon Cooks over in the right corner of the end zone. Cooks was that down the field separation, you know. I mean, Dak was trying. Okay, I'm going to fit this thing in between those two safeties, and this thing's going to be a touchdown. And it, it it should have been a touchdown. It was a dot. It was he, he should have been a touchdown. But the thing about it is, though, they they are doing a better job if they can win off the line. They can get vertical in a lot of these routes, and that that will help them with their long passing game. Well, for long passes like that, I would say, yeah, absolutely needed when you're trying to put that on film film and, and keep defenses on their toes and all that. But right now, I personally am okay with what mm-hmm. they're doing just because – I mean, they moved the ball so quickly anyways. They've been so good at it. And that's – if there are no penalties or a flag or anything like that, it just moves so quick. I'm looking down on my computer. They're on the field. They start all the way to the (laughs) right, and I look up, and they're about to get into the, you know, the 20-yard line. And so – it's been effective what they're doing, but I would say it's definitely it would definitely be beneficial to start incorporating more of those, taking those chances, and hopefully they're positive and they and it works because then you're putting that on film for for other teams to be aware of and keep them guessing. I think this might be setting them up to in a good way to be able to go down the field in the coming weeks because, for example, we talked about you know how does Michael Gallup 
play into this Texas Coast offense? Is it square peg, round hole? Well, okay, we've got that question answered over the past two weeks. He had I two love vi- what he's, doing he's had two really solid, better. two really solid games. One in Arizona, and now uh, that sixty-yard game he just put up against the uh, the Patriots. But then, if you also look at what he's been doing, it's forty-four yards after the catch against the Patriots. So he's he's getting separation and better than I've ever seen him get separation on his breaks. And then he's getting a ton of yak thereafter. So what's going to happen is opposing defenses they're going to start try to play him up because they're going to say oh well Michael Gallup he's not just the goal route guy he can attack us at the second level and then when they do that that's when you tell Michael go and that's when you can really start to break the game open so I think this might be that that long term chess match that McCarthy is playing over the course of 17 plus games let's get a question from Dan in Philly he says thoughts on Cooks not really getting involved in the passing game it's disappointing to me I thought uh, they would use his speed to go deep more. You guys disappointed by what he's been able to do so far? Well, I, I think that there's, to Dan's point, there's things he – I mentioned the block on, on uh, that he was able to get on uh, that, you know, the, the touchdown they had down there in the red zone. That, that he, He's doing what he has to do. They're asking him to run crossing routes, things like that. They're asking him to drag routes. Uh, I mentioned that the, the pass that went to Schoonmaker down the middle of the field – he was open in the end zone. That could have been a ball that was easily thrown his direction off the right side there. Dak, Dak took the shot. He saw cover two. He's trying to fit Schoonmaker in there, and, you know, he, he had it. And, you know, but if, he, if when he watches the tape today, he's going to see there's a couple different times where Cooks was open, and, you know, the ball just doesn't go your direction sometimes. That's the great thing about sitting down and studying these games that you say – well, I'm a little disappointed in this guy or that guy, but then you say, well, man, this guy's doing his job. Mm-hmm. He's getting open. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the ball's just not going his way. And I, I think that I think there's going to be some opportunities where they do figure out how to get him the ball down the field. Uh, he is a weapon in every sense of the word. Uh, but, uh, again, there's, there's, you know, the balls that Dak's throwing, he's throwing to the right guys. They're, they're getting finishes. But uh, I think Cooks is finding ways to get open. I don't think Cooks was open as much last game against Arizona. Uh, that was a little bit of struggle for all the receivers. But in this game, these guys did a nice job of finding separation in this zone defense and, and making some good uh, good plays. And they're, they're sending him um, at least often enough to keep the, the safeties kind of plain honest because if you go back and you look at his route chart against the Patriots uh, up the middle where they haven't been throwing deep middle 30 plus yards he had a route go that way he had a 24 ish yard route deep middle and then on the right side he had an 18 19 yard so I mean they're sending him um, it's just a matter of those were non-targeted though so those are those types of plays that maybe he was the decoy and they wanted to see if he'd get open but you know, I think those will start to kind of play themselves into the Cowboys offense as the season rolls along. So, I mean, ultimately, he did finish with four targets, four catches on those four targets. He had the effective block. Um, so, you know, keeping in mind that he also missed week two. Right. He didn't play in the preseason, nor did Dak Prescott. So give him a moment. I think he's getting his his wheels in this Cowboys system. And I think it'll start to show here soon. Well, we're heading into week five. And at what least that's. About? Huh? No, I was going to say week five is when we really start to find out what it looks like. Yes, uh, but he's another weapon that you're just excited to keep, like that you have but haven't seen all of it yet. So that's exciting. I would say it's definitely disappointing that he hasn't been uh, super involved right now. Uh, and in week four, there's only a couple of plays that I can vividly remember that he's done um, in the games that he has played so far. And that's disappointing because – 
all through training camp. I mean, he was my favorite player to watch. Mm-hmm. One guy that we kept talking about on the show, um, the type of weapon or or deep threat speed that he showed and how the chemistry between him and Dak, it it was just so automatic right away, right off the bat. They were connecting so well. And all of a sudden we haven't had a chance to see, really see that um, to fruition during games. But hopefully, hopefully it happens soon. All right, real quick before we end the show, I did want to talk a little bit about the tight ends. As you mentioned earlier, Ferguson had a nice day. He is becoming a real weapon, I think, uh, for Dak Prescott. But, Brian, I think you were the one mentioning last week, as you look at the tight ends, doesn't seem to quite have the same, I don't know, it it just doesn't seem to be the same as what it was with Dalton Schultz last year. What we did see yesterday was Schoolmaker had three different opportunities. He didn't get a single catch. Uh, I don't think uh, Peyton Hendershot had a single target yesterday. You think the Cowboys are going to hit Yeah, right. The so, ankle injury. So, oh, right, yeah. Sean McEwen so, was up for him. So you're looking yeah. at a situation where you're really – do you think you're not getting enough out of the tight end position? Even though Ferguson is, is actually providing something really nice for you, do you really need more from those other tight ends, especially considering as much as Dallas likes well, to run 12 and 13 personnel? Yeah, it, it's, it's funny that you say that. But to me, I think Schoonmaker – had the drop was bad. Yeah. That was a bad play. He he's got to make that play and he knows he has to make that play. The other one he had an opportunity on, the ball was tipped at the line of scrimmage. Mm-hmm. If you remember they're down there in the red zone and like he's got the defender on his back and Dak is going to throw the ball to the outside there and there's probably going to be a catch and then it's going to be a dive for the goal line. Bentley, the linebacker, is going to rush and Zach Martin just stones him and it stops Bentley so he doesn't so what does he do? He backs up and he just jumps. And so instead of the ball going to Schoonmaker, it's tipped and knocked away. There you go. There's another one of your red zone, you know, what just the hell plays, what yeah. the hell just happened plays. Yeah. You know, it probably would have resulted in either a catch at the one or a catch and a touchdown. But yeah, I, I think you know, I look at also the way that these guys blocked in the, some of the running opportunities. Hell, McEwen made a hell of a play getting yeah. down the field mm-hmm. and recovering uh, Turpin's fumble. You know, I mean, he gets the key block to get Turpin around the corner, and now he's chasing the play, much like what we have with Tyler Biotish, and, you know, falls on the ball right there. You know, could have been a bad situation. When but, that happened, I was like, thank God a guy is yeah. running along with <laughs> well, the person who has the ball because this they, happened they, a couple of times There were some moments where these guys, should they have done more? Absolutely. Is there some bad luck along the way? Absolutely. You know, there's some there's some unfortunate things that happen uh, with these guys. I, I think the thing with Ferguson that I've learned is every time you throw him the ball, he's going to make one or two guys miss. He is this run-after-catch mm-hmm. guy. Mm-hmm. It's the, the slant he caught on third down and got – it was like a third and five. He gets nine yards. I mean, just carrying guys with him, uh, you know, for the first down. So getting more from him, yeah, sure. But are you just totally like, oh, it's just a, 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 a bad group? I don't, I don't think so. I don't think so. I think we're starting to see some things with them and how they're using these guys a little bit more. And I think it's going to benefit, you know, in the, in the coming weeks. Yeah. And, when it, and when it comes to Jake Ferguson, and we've talked about it, and I said until further notice, he's the tight end one. And as Schoonmaker starts to kind of come along, maybe we'll revisit and have this conversation later in the year. But Jake Ferguson, you know, he, he overcame the, the drop in the rain against the Giants. But even that, that was a fantastic blocking game for him. You can yeah. see he's put on some, some mass. He's getting in there. He's getting dirty with the blocking. You absolutely love it. And then now he's starting to come on as Dex secure 
security blanket, seven targets, seven catches, 77 yards in that obliteration of the Patriots. So I love what I'm seeing from Jake Ferguson. And at the moment, after seeing what he is doing as both a blocker and as a receiver and, you know, in in being a receiver, the yak and also the the dirty yards because he's making guys miss, but he's also running through guys and running over guys. I don't know that I would say I need to see more from Jake because I feel like more is coming anyway. What you want to see is, while Sean McEwen being Johnny on the spot, great job with that. Um, you want to see more production from a receiving standpoint for those tight ends not named Jake Ferguson. Schoonmaker, I believe he'll come in. Uh, eventually that'll come on for him. I don't think you're going to see him targeted three times and not catch any of those going forward. We talked about it, uh, Brian, at Michigan. I don't think Michigan really used his hands. Yeah. I think he has But he's got to make plays. I yeah, mean, that's the, the bottom line. I so, mean, yeah, he and he's going to get criticized because he was a second-round pick. Yeah, so that that's my point. You want to see more production from Luke Schoonmaker as yeah. a receiver. You need to see more of that. You, you want to see more when Peyton Hendershot gets back on the field. He missed this past Sunday because of the, the ankle injury. But prior to that, yes, he's upgraded as a blocker, not as good as Jake just yet. Yet, but where's Peyton Hendershot in the receiving core? So to answer your question, Derek, when it comes to Jake Ferguson, love what he's got going on. And thankfully for the Cowboys, they have at least that guy. They have a him that's definitive in that tight end room. And right now it's Jake Ferguson. But for the other guys from the receiving component, you got to get more. Schoolmaker's got to make those plays and he'll be the first one to say he has to. Uh, Sean McEwen, you, you know what you have with Sean McEwen. He's never going to really be that guy. But when Peyton Hendershot gets back, what do you got there? Especially in a season where you were hoping that you'd have John Stevens, but you lost him before you could really do much with him. Yep. All right. Appreciate you guys joining us. We'll be back tomorrow. We'll start uh, taking a little bit of a little bit of a bigger picture uh, look at the NFL and the NFC East. The Giants play tonight on Monday Night Football. We'll see how they end up. Till then, for uh, Patrick Walker, Brian Broaddus, Amber Garcia, I'm Derek Eagleton. This has been The Break, live on DallasCowboys.com radio. This has been a production of DallasCowboys.com and the Dallas Cowboys Football Club. How about this, Cowboys? Yeah!